0: This is Chrysalis. Part 14
2: The sky level of Niaton Prime's arcology was a city in its own right. A second urban layer suspended above the wispy clouds. The collection of expansive terraces, lush gardens, and broad walkways were wrapped by a shimmering breaker field deflecting the cold winds present at those heights, particularly at night. I stood on one of those terraces, gazing at the breathtaking sight as I leaned over the railing. The endless city sprawled out below, a sea of artificial lights reflecting the stars above. It was beautiful. I stood with the bright blue and yellow lights to my back as nearly a hundred automated vidcams fluttered over the crowd behind me, zipping back and forth in an endless effort to record something interesting. There were many worlds across the Galactic Federal Council keen to see this event unfold. After all, it wasn't every day new Galactic Accords were signed. For the moment, I enjoyed taking some time to recuperate, taking an occasional glimpse at the buzzing crowd. Oh, meat... "'Really?' "'I turned to look at my approaching assistant carrying a plate of food. "'He was an odd piece. "'Almost an opposite picture of myself. "'He was short and stocky, and his skin was scaly rather than smooth. "'He carried with him some sort of Terran recipe, "'or at least a close-attempted one. "'Thick slices of meat covered in a brown sauce "'paired with some green and white vegetables for good measure "'laid nearly untouched on his plate.' It's synthetic meat, you know. That doesn't make it any less repulsive. Why do we have Terran recipes anyway? They don't even eat food. Eisen, nobody will tell you their secrets if If I don't eat their food first. Right, I know, I know. I just don't want to vomit. I nodded to him as a vid cam zipped by, snapping several three-dimensional photos of us before returning eagerly to the crowd, its attention now caught by the Zarkonnen giving out some sort of public statement with several dozen more vidcams orbiting him above the buzzing crowd, broadcasting his words. We do all the work, he gets all the glory. Yes, politics. That's just the way it is. Doesn't that bother you? The fact that he gets all the praise? I mean, everyone says that he's the one who ended the war, but by my recollection, you did a fair bit of the groundwork. I mauled over the thought for a few seconds. It had been five years since my conversation with the Terran during its attack on Zunvir. I had received several compliments when it went public, but the attention was centered on the aftermath of the attack itself. Massive floods, devastated cities, and environmental chaos had dominated the media feeds. The fall of the Terran had provided devastating images that pulled the galaxy's attention to how dire the situation was, despite the fact that it could have been far worse. While I played an important part as an intermediary, the Zarkenin received most of the public adoration following the conversations with the Galactic Federal Council. I answered, Fison. No, it doesn't bother me. We each have different roles to play. I guess I'd rather be out here making things happen than stuck giving endless speeches. And having the Zarkenin in our debt can open the doors to some powerful favors. Having him as an ally is better in the long term. Heads up, boss. Got a gearbox incoming. I followed his gaze to see that a member of the Terran delegation was walking towards us. It still surprised me how organic they looked. But I couldn't help but feel a slight discomfort at the sight of the approaching Terran. I remember the mechanical soldiers among the ruined buildings of Yovit. The movements somewhat similar. The same pace and swinging of the arms. Similar positions of the feet. However, this being wasn't an automated drone and a ceaseless army, but a sentient creature in its own right. It could easily be mistaken for organic. While the overall body shape was the same, it had vast differences from its predecessors. It had polished synthetic skin, smooth lines, and an actual face modeled after the original species that they had evolved from.
1: Dalkid! I'm glad you're here. Always happy to see a familiar face.
2: Hmm, likewise. I nodded and took his hand in mine, as per the Terran greeting ritual. The hand was cold to the touch as we shook. I'm not sure if, uh, you've met my assistant, uh...
1: Fison, right? Yeah, great to meet you.
2: As Fison and Thomas spoke, I thought of how lucky it was that both the Terrans and Zunvirians had agreed to sign the Accords, recognizing each other's right to exist... The threats of violence and vengeance had cooled, finally, but setting formal borders and agreeing to a ceasefire was only the first of many steps. The Terrans had demands regarding what had happened to their original planet, which had been met in kind by the heavily wounded Zunvirians. Terrans were no longer aggressive after the Battle of Zunvir, but they had refused to cede any conquered systems or reduce their gargantuan military forces. ...and had instead requested harder sanctions on the Zunvirians. On the other side of the issues, the Zunvir Republic wanted reparations of their own... ...for the damage done to their colonies and capital world. The fragments falling from the Terran had caused irreparable damage to their environment... ...as well as killing millions of innocent people. Resolving tensions between the races had been particularly difficult... ...hopefully with time and proper planning... Both races can find some form of tentative harmony.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile.
0: In the year 2072, as our world reels from climate chaos, there is one beacon of hope. Pura. A sanctuary amidst the devastation, safeguarding its inhabitants from the relentless onslaught of environmental disasters. Meet Demetria Lopez, the face of Pura's pristine image. But beneath the facade lies a chilling truth. When Demetria uncovers a secret that could shatter everything Pura stands for, she faces a choice. Loyalty or truth? Preservation or revelation? From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death comes an electrifying new series, The Last City, starring the talents of Rhea Seahorn, Jenny Tirado and Maury Sterling, prepare for a gripping tale of intrigue and moral reckoning. Subscribe to The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you listen to podcasts. And for an exclusive experience, join Wondery Plus to binge all episodes early and ad-free. The future of Pura awaits.
2: Thomas leaned on the railing and joined me in gazing at the city and arcologies. Together we looked at the sprawling lights of the city below. (sighs) The view here is certainly impressive. You see anything you'd want to replicate for Tau Ceti? I had the chance to visit the orbital habitat a few weeks ago. and I was impressed with the city's progress.
1: Like they'd listen to me. No. I'm afraid Tau Ceti's Orbamax has fallen prey to the hands of the Engineering Consortium. Last I heard, they were proposing a two-centuries-long plan to turn it into some sort of megastructure surrounding the star, spanning the entire asteroid belt.
2: I nodded. Amused by the scale of the Terran's concept of engineering, this was a common reaction in many who had heard of their feats of construction. When I visited Tau a few weeks prior, I saw their city, designed with a roof-dense grid of streets and avenues, parks and open areas... Thousands of drones crawled and flew all over the city, causing all sorts of congestion. Their ability to unify and build their society so efficiently had worried the high governance. An internal report placed the Terrans as the undisputed regional superpower of the Orion arm. The numbers spoke volumes, convincing the Council to approach the species and develop a friendly relationship. But thinking of the Terran brought back memories of how it all ended and I still had questions. Huh. Thomas, there's something I meant to ask you about, uh, related to the Battle of Xunvir. I've been thinking about what happened there that day. And (laughs) there's something that doesn't quite fit. Something I found stuck out to me when I read the post-battle reports. Oh, I would be interested to know what you read. Well, you know, it went unnoticed at first, but it was revealed when the Council cross-referenced the recordings of the battle from satellites in orbit around Zunvir. There was a short burst of a unique electromagnetic activity coming from the ship, seconds before it self-destructed. The analysts think it was some sort of transmission. Well, nobody I asked had determined what it was, other than the profile of the pattern matches the...
1: A Dowkit, I wasn't present at the battle myself, so I didn't receive that transmission, whatever it might have been. But you have to remember that our progenitor was a very troubled and confused mind. And right at the end, it was under an enormous amount of stress and self-doubt, all while piloting a heavily damaged ship. The most likely explanation for that EM burst is of simple malfunction.
2: Ah, yeah, I see, but if
1: you... Of, Of course... I'll make sure to request our own reports and send you the information on the matter. But rest assured, I can guarantee you that our progenitor died when the ship crashed into the planet.
2: Well, uh, thanks for the clarification, Thomas. The Terran gave a waving motion with his hand, a signal that it was no trouble for him. He turned and looked toward the center of the esplanade, almost as if someone had called his name from the center of the excitement. He turned back to us and smiled.
1: So are you two going back to the crowd? Yeah,
2: maybe later. Right now we're just enjoying the view. Sounds
1: good. I'll see you two at the departure ceremony then.
2: And I look forward to it. Thomas waved and walked back into the crowd towards the rest of the Terran delegation. I saw him approach another of his species' delegates. A female Terran whose name I didn't know. She had decorated herself with rhythmic pulses of blue light on her skin it was a good sign that the machines were customizing their bodies to better fit their personalities. The flashy displays of color and strange skin patterns brought them closer to the rest of the galaxy's organic species and moved them far from the uniformity of the assault drones. Fison, what are your thoughts on Thomas' explanation? Uh, I don't know. He seemed happy enough, but there was something else there. What stood out to you? Thomas seemed very eager to remind us that the first Terran is dead. Agreed. I saw the Terran female still a quick glance at us before resuming her conversation with Thomas. Could they be lying? I thought back to Yovit. To the day that the Terran decided to save Tel and I, and I remembered its strange analogy, the olive branch. The idea that it could live peacefully alongside us, Did the other Terrans feel it was possible to live peacefully alongside their creator? Perhaps we weren't the only ones to accept the branch. And just as the thought crossed my mind, I noticed another figure that stood apart from the crowd. The figure seemed lost in its own thoughts as it gazed into the night. A Terran woman with bright pink covering her arms, face, and hair approached it, holding a small potted plant in her arms. She whispered something to the lone Terran that I couldn't make out from a distance. She took its hand and started to pull it away from the railing, and just then, it caught my eyes. We stared at each other for a moment, and a solemn expression crossed its face. Those few seconds seemed to stretch forever until it gave me an almost imperceptible nod before disappearing into the crowd. So, do you think they're lying? No, no. (laughs) No, I don't think they're lying. I know they are.
0: That was Chrysalis, Part 14, Performed by Corey Hawkins, Haley Joel Osmond, Jabuki Young White, and Matthew Wolfe. Directed by Alex Kemp. Chrysalis was written by S.H. Serrano and adapted by Stephen Michael and Macklin Malogi. Chrysalis is executive produced by Corey Hawkins, executive produced by Stephen Michael, and associate produced by Sarah Newton at Gunpowder and Sky. This season is produced by Toby Lawless. At Wolf at the Door Studios Dust is executive produced by Floris Bauer, Van Toffler And Eric Bromberg Original music for Chrysalis Composed by Alex Kemp Sound design by Josh Falcon At Wolf at the Door Studios Special thanks to Helen Sadler Jake McCarty Ali Montez, Mark Holden And Alison Borelli